Welcome to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. Your co-hosts, Jason Smith and Brian Bibbo, will inspire and teach you how to prosper in your mind, body, and spirit, not just your financial life. Joining forces with field experts, Jason and Brian are here to help you focus on what matters most in your life, living well. Welcome to the JL Smith Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. I'm Brian Bibbo. This episode is to coincide with Ensure Your Love Month, which focuses on the importance of life insurance. This podcast will also touch on a traditional aspect of life insurance, but it will also talk about the other benefits you can achieve from life insurance. I'm excited to have a member of the J.L. Smith family here. He is the author of The Fifth Option, a book, Why Your Retirement Plan Won't Work the Way You Think It. And he is a life insurance expert, has many, many years in this field. I'm excited to have you on here today, Walter. Well, I appreciate being here, Brian. Excited to be here too. Absolutely. So, you know, give us give us a little bit of that background that you have. How did you become a life insurance specialist? How did you end up in this realm? I know you're very passionate about it, right? You, you wrote a full book on it. Share with me a little bit about that. That's a great question. You made me kind of reflect a little bit about my career that way. And I think the best way to answer it is that when I got into the financial field, I left uh, consulting world and I wanted to get into something where I could have a deep dive in it. And quite frankly, it was a labor of love because I know getting into financial services, most people gravitated towards the asset management side of the house. And I realized that life insurance was a powerful tool when used correctly. And it really was a blue ocean for me, right? There's not a lot of people were doing it. And so I thought, you know, rather than trying to compete on your returns are better than my returns, you know, I could bring just a whole nother strategy to the table that, you know, that people could take advantage of. And like any specialization, you just kind of keep getting better and diving deeper and learning more. And, you know, 20 years later, here I am, you know, writing books about it, being passionate about it and trying to educate people on, you know, the, the benefits of life insurance and also the misconceptions of life insurance, quite frankly. You know, it can be a very, a very powerful word that, that evokes many different emotions to different in different ways for people. So, I'm really on a quest to try to educate people on how life insurance can benefit them both alive and when they pass away. Yeah, I like it. And when we think about retirement, what do we normally think about the investment vehicles such as stocks, bonds, mutual funds, annuities, and the typical, you know, run-of-the-mill investments that are out there. But in your book, it really details out how some of these current retirement options that are out there are outdated and you know, in some circumstances, fall short, especially with the 4% rule here. But why why is now and into the future life insurance such an important component of a well-rounded financial plan? Yeah, great question. I think today, maybe more than any generation, we are more responsible than ever for our own financial outcome, right? Gone are pensions, gone are some of the traditional things that prior generations really enjoyed. So we're, it's upon ourselves now to create the retirement income that we really want and need. And so I think, you know, the one thing we all share, I would say we all share one common financial goal, which is to have safe, predictable, and plentiful income when we do retire, however we put that together. And so probably the best way to kind of to explain how life insurance can fit into this into the strategy is really to just to discuss a very a small parable that I came up with in our book. And I call it the desert island dilemma. And so, Brian, I'll make you kind of my audience, if you don't mind. And so just, just imagine that you were washing up on shore, that you were on a cruise and the cruise unfortunately sank, but you were fortunate enough to swim up onto a shore of a deserted island. And as you crawl yourself up onto the beach and maybe find a little shade in the overhang of a tree, you look down at the ocean's edge 
and there's bobbing up and down a barrel. And you run down to the, to the beach and you grab this barrel, you open it up and you smell the sweet smell of fresh water. And then it hits you. Is this all the water I have to drink? And as you look around the island, you realize it's deserted. There's no fresh water. That In fact, this barrel represents all the water you have to drink. And now you're beginning to ask yourself the question, how much water can I drink each day? And so it would be very helpful to know two things. The first would be, how long am I going to be on this island for? Well, as you look around the island, you recognize there's no boats. There's no planes overhead. You might be on this island for a while. And the second thing you might want to know is, Will it ever rain? Can I replenish my barrel with water? And as you look up in the skies, you just see a blazing sun. It probably doesn't rain here very often. And so, Brian, if we know, don't know how long you're going to be on this island and you don't know if it'll ever rain again, Brian, how much water can you drink each day? Yeah, you don't know, right? And you're scaring me with this whole thing. I, I just <laughs> the picturing in my head being on this island right now. But keep going. I mean, it's hard to tell, right? You're just going to have to ration it. That's right. The point is, when I ask this to groups of people, is the answer comes back as as very little as I can, because we have to preserve this barrel of water for as long as it takes to be rescued. I don't know if it's a week or a month or a year, right? And I don't know if it'll ever replenish itself. But now let's switch the scenery and say, instead of a desert island, I'm now in my office celebrating my last day of work. And as I'm driving home, getting ready to begin my retirement, I recognize that in my retirement accounts, it's all the money I'm ever going to have. And I start to wonder, in order to enjoy my retirement the way I want to enjoy it, how much money can I really spend each day? Well, similarly to the island, I would like to know two questions. The first one is, how long am I going to live? Well, I can't know that answer. The second is, how will my investments do? Will they grow over time or they will not grow over time? I can't know that answer either. So as you begin to think about, I don't know how long I'm going to live, and I don't know what rate of return my, my money is going to get, then I have the same kind of thinking, which is I probably need to spend as little as I need to in order for it to last. Right? And these are two of the most important questions when it comes to retirement planning is how long will I live and what rate of return will I get? And if I don't have good answers to those questions, we typically become much more conservative. And we could probably all think of an aunt or a grandparent or somebody who has plenty of money, but they never really spent much of it because they were always worried about what might happen tomorrow. And so when we think about what, how we answer that question, there was a, a study done in the 1990s that we're all familiar with now that, that gave birth to the 4% rule, which was we recognize that Bill Bangin, over his research, found that there was a period of time where a 4% was the maximum withdrawal rate we could take out so that we never ran out of money. Now, there were some periods of time where we could take out more, but we know that at least 4% men over historical 30-year periods of time that we never ran out of money, and that became known as the 4% rule. Well, as we talk with our clients and we give them that rule of thumb, say, for example, someone has a million dollars, and we tell them, well, you're likely to have to live on thirty-five dollars to $40,000 off that million dollars. That can sometimes be a shockingly low number because perhaps they were used to living on much larger income throughout their lifetime, and they were hoping not to take such a drastic pay cut. And so when we talk to our advisors and, and they tell us you know, this 4% four, 4 rule, if we're not happy with that outcome, then we typically are faced with four choices. I call those the four frustrating choices. The first choice, got to save more money, right? Saving more money always helps in terms of retirement, but it's not necessarily easy to do. 
right? We, raising kids, colleges, expenses. If we could save more money, lots of times we would. And we also, when we save money, we're actually competing with current lifestyle versus our future lifestyle, right? So if I'm spending more money today, that might mean less money later. And if I don't save enough money for later, I may not have the money I need, but it also means I'm reducing today's lifestyle. So our current lifestyle is always kind of fighting with our future lifestyle. Second is I could try to get better rates of return on my investments. But I know that by to do that, I must, by definition, take more risk. And sometimes people, as they get closer to retirement, don't want to take that risk. They're looking to reduce that risk because they don't want that feeling of the roller coaster ride in the markets. The third potential frustrating option is to work longer, right? And so we see people saying that they're going to retire 65, 70 and longer, but we don't always get the choice of whether we'll work longer. Sometimes our bodies won't let us. Sometimes our work won't let us. And so it's not necessarily that we can plan on working into these later ages. And the fourth option, which most people end up saying, is we'll just have to live on less. And Brian, one of the saddest parts of, of my conversations with clients is when I see them you know, just gleaming about retirement, and as they begin to see that maybe they're not saving enough money, that they begin to unload all the things they hope they do and begin to capitulate and say, well, I don't need to go on those trips, or I don't need to go out to dinner, or I don't need to go visit the grandchildren because I can just stay at home. And so all the dreams they once had suddenly sometimes are, are diminished because of this 4% rule. But there's a fifth option, and that is the name of my book. There's a fifth option that when we implement the strategies that the fifth option offers us can change your dramatic retirement income dramatically. And the idea is to begin to bring in the full picture of the financial tools that exist in the markets to get a better retirement outcome so that we can have that safer, more predictable and plentiful income for as long as we need it. Yeah. So you got me, you got, you got us very interested, I'm telling you, and, and how you ended that right there. But I love the barrel analogy and the thought of same thing, pulling it back to the retirement plan. So you're talking about this fifth option, right? Now, now obviously, I'm going to ask more about this because this is important, but I'm going to ask the question. When, when we think about life insurance, the traditional thing is like buy term, invest the difference, or you get a whole life policy to pay for your funeral. So, you know, there's other types of life insurance out there. Tell me about this fifth option. Tell me how this could work in individuals and married couple situations. Yeah, great question. So the reason, if we go back to those two questions that we couldn't answer, how long can I live and what rate of return will I get? Well, the insurance world uses this term called actuarial science. And actuarial science is the study, basically, of how long somebody lives. And so the insurance world can begin to put some, some parameters or some backstops so that we don't have to know how long we're going to live necessarily, that we can offload that risk to the insurance world through the to, through the use of actual science. So how does so what does this mean in practice? What it means is that, for example, if I own a permanent life insurance policy, the cash value that it builds might be an option that we can use for when markets are negative, right? And, and you and your practice, us and JL Smith Group, we harp that volatility is one of the most dangerous things when it comes to retirement. In fact, we know lots of different Nobel Prize winners from economics over over the years have talked about that retirement income planning is the hardest, trickiest part of financial planning because we don't know how markets are going to go. Will I have good markets at the beginning of my retirement would be a different outcome than if I have um, a bad markets when I retire. 
So having this, what we call a volatility buffer, what I call taming the bear, having the ability to have this non-correlated asset that I can use when markets are in decline is a wonderful way to begin to, to protect your that early parts of retirement. On the other side of the equation, there are people that like to have more guaranteed sources of incomes. So they may choose to have um, annuities or things that guarantee incomes for a lifetime. And the death benefit of our life insurance policy can then act as a way to replace those assets that we use in retirement for our, the people that we love. And so what's nice about a life insurance policy is it can do both of those things. It can have a cash value that, you, that we can use. The cash value is perfect for someone who loves the markets. They're comfortable with the risk. They just need to have the ability to navigate negative markets when those inevitably happen. On the other side, what I call pension 2.0 is the people that want more guaranteed incomes, the style of a pension. And when they use the life insurance, they can choose the highest guaranteed pensions or, or pay, payouts that exist. So for example, in some, in some instances, a certain annuities can pay you seven or eight or eight and a half percent guaranteed for the rest of your life. Well, that's tremendously larger than the 4%. Mm -hmm. But the downside is that when, when I die, those, those annuity payments might stop. And so we would want a death benefit that can come in and replenish those funds first for our spouse so that our spouse has all the money back and can then choose what they want to do with it. Or if we get what we want and live a long time, then the death benefit would really just go to our children as a way to replenish the estate with all the money that we spent. And I think that's a very elegant way of maximizing our retirement income and then having the ability to, to present to our children the legacy that we really want to. So what I'm hearing you say is, does it make sense to maybe use quarters on the dollars now to prepare for the FIPS option, which could be us drawing out of our life insurance policy the cash value when the markets are down? That's mm -hmm. one option. Or, or the second mm -hmm. thing you just uh, enlightened us with was using the death benefit upon the passing, maybe for a spouse or you know beneficiaries. Is that fair to say this? That's correct. And so one of the things that, that I think people get confused about is it's not about your balance sheet at retirement. It's about the income that's produced from your balance sheet. So there's two kinds of finances. There's corporate finance. I have an MBA. I was in that world. There's personal finance, which is the world I'm in today. And they both share the same word finance, but they manifest themselves in totally different manners, right? Corporate finance is all about cash flow, earnings, the movement of money. When you see CNBC CFOs get on there, they're bragging about their profitability, right? Because that's bringing value to shareholders. That's what they're charged to do. But in personal finance, we get caught up in balance sheets. How much money do you have? How much money do you save? And so we have to understand that I can't take my 401k statement that has half a million dollars in it and go buy milk with it and just show them that I have a great balance sheet. That doesn't work. I have to turn that balance sheet into cash flow. And the efficiency from when I did that will determine how well my income goes. You can have a million dollars, Brian, in your retirement account. I can have a million dollars in my retirement account. If your retirement account is able to generate a safe $70,000 a year and mine is a bumpy $40,000 a year, well, you win, even though we have the same balance sheet, right? So I want people to understand that we have to solve for income, which means bringing together 
growth tools and distribution tools. If we have just a balance sheet only approach, I call that just a BS approach, right? We have to have the ability to understand that there are, there are in the financial markets, there are growth vehicles that are meant for growth and there are distribution tools that are meant for distribution. And just like any great pairing, when we bring them together, we get a synergy that we don't get when we keep them apart. And that is the latest finding from a lot of the American College of Financial Services academia that is just beginning to trickle down to the masses at this point in time, just, just beginning to start there. So the main takeaways that, that we're getting here is this life insurance can be a valuable option for retirement income planning and then also estate planning, right? That's correct. The life insurance can really be malleable, right? So we can use it for estate planning. We can use it for income planning. We can use it even before we retire. And so, you know, we, we think about, if we think about your life in stages, right, in cycles, it, it really follows a business cycle, right? There's a startup phase when you get out of college. And that startup phase, we have the most potential left to earn, right? We haven't realized our earnings yet. We have the potential for that to happen. And so when we get married at a young age and we're just starting our careers, then maybe term insurance is a really good vehicle for that because it's cheap and affordable and we can really get a lot of it because I have the most potential still to earn that income. My wife once told me, come home dead or alive, not in the middle, because we need your income, <laughs> right? And so we need the life insurance policy to protect the income I'm yet to bring to the family, right? That's very important. But as we begin our cycles of life, we go from a startup phase to a growth phase. Then just like any company, we get to a mature phase where you're in that kind of cash cow moment, right? You're at the top of your profession. But now you're beginning to look towards when the business term we would call succession planning. And in our own lives, it's, it's a different kind of succession planning, right? It's the end of our life. And we realize that life insurance is not about protecting our income anymore because we were at the top of our income and we have our assets that are beginning to grow. So life insurance really now is about how do I take this asset base and unlock it for better income planning? How do I get, how do I take this life insurance policy so I have better legacy planning? How do I mitigate potentially, you know, taxes that are due for, for successful people from estate planning? So, you know, it changes its function over time. It goes from maybe something that's cheap and, and you know, finite in terms of a term period to maybe converting that to a permanent policy because now I'm not protecting my income, I'm protecting my assets, right? And I'm creating a future income. So life insurance kind of changes its functions as we move through time. Yeah, that's great. And, and how we got here was, you know, ensuring your love. And the whole purpose of that is, hey, making sure you're taken care of for retirement purposes, making sure the loved ones are taken care of. But there's that, there's the thing kind of in between, right? You, you made the joke of like, don't come home dead or alive, don't come home in between. But sometimes as life progresses, we hit that in-between phase, right? We run into where maybe we're needing help with daily living activities. Maybe we have some cognitive impairment. I know that nowadays there's what they call life insurance long-term care combos out there that could supply some benefit, right? Like if you don't use it, it actually is paid out as a death benefit. Or if you need it for long-term care, it could be used for that. So I think those are important too. Can you elaborate and give us some, some inside information on that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's some life insurance comes with what is commonly known as living benefits, right? So as, as the owner, proud owner of life insurance, the death benefit is a love tool, right? That's what I give to my family. That's, that's, you know, that's me planning ahead 
to to give them that money you know what i hope is their worst days doesn't have to be their worst financial day right uh, and so that's that part. But there's lots of things that I can use while I'm alive. I mean, and, and what's interesting about life insurance, it's it's kind of a layering tool. And when you add the benefit, the next benefit, the next benefit, you look back and realize there's a lot that life insurance can do. So you mentioned a couple of them, but there's some other ones that we can talk about, right? So, you know, think about the cash value of life insurance as a parking lot, right? It's the ability for us to store some money in a safe place that's tax efficient and growing productively. And with that parking lot of money, I can do a number of things. That could become my emergency fund, right? That doesn't have to sit in a checking account earning very little return. It could actually earn a better return there. And if I have that emergency fund, then maybe I can change the deductibles of my other insurance policies because if I ever need to hit the deductible, it's in my cash value. And now I've recovered money from deductibles or other insurance options. Uh, It has the ability to grow tax-free. It has the ability to not be counted against you for college assets. Right? So sometimes people use the ability to, sh- to hide money from the kind of the FAFSA applications in terms of what's counted against you or not counted against you. It has, it has the ability to recover term costs. So what, you know, if we were able to look into the, our crystal ball and say, all right, I have a 30-year term policy. If I lived to year 31, I never would have bought the term right? because I didn't need it. But we don't know that. So as we have this permanent policy over time, in the cash value, it will recover all the premium payments that I've paid into the policy. So that at some point, if I wanted to cash out, I had all my money back. I don't lose money to insurances that I never use, right? Car insurance is a great example. If I never get in an accident, well, then I just wasted a lot of money, but I have to have it, right? So there's that possibility. The one you're talking about is, is a little bit newer, is the ability to have long-term care or critical care riders so that when I get to be in that later stages of life, if I can't do two of the, of the daily activity livings and become diagnosed as a long-term care option, then I can access portions of my death benefit to offset the long-term care cost that I will be having. And we know that long-term care costs eight, $9,000 a month is a significant amount. So the idea is that at its worst, I don't have to buy a long-term care policy that costs a lot of money for a long period of time where I may or may never use it, right? As opposed to having this tool where I'm putting money, I have the death benefit, I have a long-term care component, I have all the ability to use the cash value in these interesting manners and the ability to redesign my retirement plan just because I have a life insurance policy versus I don't. One other option is that, you know, this cash value is a line of credit. If you have high credit card bills or unexpected expenses, Rather than going into debt or having to liquidate assets, this cash value can be kind of that intermediate period where I can borrow in and out of a policy because I want my assets to grow uninterrupted so I can take advantage of compounding. But we know life throws curveballs at us. And the last thing I would want for someone to do is have to borrow from their 401k or cash in stocks because that's an opportunity loss of what those could do long term, right? So the life insurance policy that cash value can be a line of credit before I even get to retirement as one of the strategies as well. You know, it's great. And every one situation is unique depending on the stages of life. But, you know, what is your probably your greatest success story? Maybe if you have one or two that you could share that you ran into where you felt like, hey, I know I made a difference because I educated this individual or individuals on how we can better their situation. Yeah, I'll, I'll group them into kind of a similar, you know, clients that are a similar um, kind of profile. 
which is we know the wealthy are okay. We know that they're okay, right? So we help save them taxes. We help them, you know, make sure that they preserve the money for their their heirs. But they're never really at risk of a lifestyle change or or you know running out of money. That's really not their biggest priority. But that mass affluent middle class to mass affluent rent, I know that they are on the edge of having the retirement they had hoped to have versus not. And they've been taught for the most part that they just have to they have to save more and more dollars to make the retirement work. What I think we accomplish when we go through different styles or different potential, especially the fifth option, is we unlock the thinking of efficiency. Think about how do we generate income as efficient as possible. The more efficient I am, the fewer dollars it takes to hit your retirement goal. And so I think the big aha moment comes when we show them the traditional path, which is save, 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 save. Here's that three or 4% rule. Here's the budget for retirement. How happy are you with that number? Because few people are excited about that, right? It's not easy to save millions of dollars, but you may have had a job that made 100,000 or 250 or something like that. And you want to keep some semblance of a lifestyle going when you retire. And so when we go through that comparison of the 4% withdrawal rate versus some of the other options that we talked about today, it may give them 150% more income than they were planning on because we understand how to combine assets and actuarial science together so that we get the benefit of more income with the same asset base. And one of the, my quests is to help educate people because I know there's so many of us that are on that on the verge of having a wonderful retirement where they get to go visit their grandchildren instead of sending them Christmas cards. Or if they're watching the travel channel on the couch, is you know it's different between watching it and actually being to go out and do the travel that you hope for, right? It's always better to be off your couch than on your couch. And that could be the difference between understanding how retirement income really works versus a default plan that you just happen to fall into. No, that's great. So for our listeners out there, if they're thinking about doing this, exploring these options, they're able to get a hold of you through through us, correct? That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they can. we're on the website. Give us a call. They can also buy the fifth option, the book, the fifth option as a way to begin to read you know, more about these strategies. Uh, and really, I, I would urge people to just come in and do the, do the math, do the analysis. Let's take the path you're on and see what that leads. And then let's compare it to a couple other options that we bring as the JL Smith Group and just see if we don't make a difference in how your retirement income is going to go. I like it. Last question we always ask everyone. If you have one message to give to the world or leave to the world, what will it be? Well, my personal quest is to help bring financial literacy to the masses. Uh, and I'm a big proponent is to make is to leave the next generation a little better off than ours. And I think we all have the power through good financial planning to really begin to give more, to give our kids the ability to be more self-sufficient than maybe even we were through good financial planning, to be good stewards of our money, to understand that it is possible to have the life that we want and then to help our kids achieve the life they want. Yeah, Walter, I love it. I love the message. I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast here. Looking forward to continuing working with you for many years. I know personally, we've helped many clients together put these kind of plans in place that we've talked about here. And I know those success stories and those people were very happy with the outcomes. So thank you. And any listeners listening, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're happy to go over this analysis with you.
Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. We hope we inspired you to make changes so you can live your best life. If you want to find out more about what we do, or if you want to have a holistic wealth and health financial plan, please call 456-833-7000. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it widely with your friends and family. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors and SEC Registered Investment Advisor with its principal place of business in the state of Ohio. J.L. Smith Wealth and Tax Planning and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice. Insurance and tax services offered through Advisor DBA are not affiliated with PCA. Information received from this podcast should not be viewed as individual investment advice. Product discussions and illustrations are hypothetical in nature and will vary based on many factors including, but not limited to, age, health, product, insurance carrier and product design. You should consult the insurance carrier website and policy for detailed information. For information pertaining to the registration status of PCA, please contact the firm or refer to the Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. For additional information about PCA, including fees and services, send for our disclosure statement as set forth on Form ADV from PCA using the contact information herein. Please read the disclosure statement carefully before you invest or send money.